So let's hear the word of God speak from Mark 9. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Thank you, Cynthia. Appreciate that. Good morning. Have you ever been part of a uh, trust fall with a church or uh, your work, uh, maybe a youth group? Trust fall is, is that we're... You're with a group of people, and one person is assigned to stand up at a, at a higher level with their back turned to the group here. And what they want you to do is, is uh, cross your arms, and when they say go, that you would just trust them and, and fall backwards uh, into their arms. Um, and apparently you're supposed to believe that they're going to catch you uh, in this situation. If you've been involved in those... Oftentimes, when you're the person who's going to fall, uh, as you're standing up here, you, you start to hear the people behind you like, how do we hold our arms? How do we lock them? You know, how, how do we do this? And, and then they're trying to say, go, go ahead and fall. And, and so what you end up doing is you're doing a lot of this, right? You're looking backwards to see exactly what's going on. And then the leader will say, no, listen, Rod, what we want you to do is we want you to close your eyes. Uh, cross your arms and we want you to just trust us believe that we're going to catch you and so you close your eyes and you fall backwards and they catch you this is what I think the Lord is doing in this passage with us teaching us to to have faith in him to really grow our faith teaching us to to trust him that we don't have to We don't have to be looking back over our shoulder to know that He's going to catch us. He's teaching us how to to believe 
that He is the one that we can fall into His arms, His arms of power, His arms of safety, His arms of love. And I think He's calling each and every one of us in faith, fall backwards into my arms. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that You will uh, grow our faith. We all struggle in our faith journey. And we want to hear from You this morning and uh, how we can learn to fall backwards into Your arms, where we receive Your power, Your love for us, Your embracing arms that wrap us up. And Father, um, in our lack of faith, we ask that You would increase our faith. So Father, we seek You this morning. We do want to hear Your Word. Uh, so penetrate our hearts in Your beautiful and precious name. Amen. Well, the scene before this, where they encounter... The boy who is demon-possessed is, is the, what's called the Mount of Transfiguration. God, Jesus, is glorified up on the mount. He's with Peter and he's with James. He's with John. And all of a sudden, he, Jesus is in His full glory. It's, it's one of the most amazing scenes in all of Scripture where Jesus is glorified. This is who God is. It's God in the flesh. And He has a purpose God in the flesh has a purpose. Jesus is going to go to the cross. And He's going to die on the cross for our sins. And He is going to rise again. And His purpose is that all who would believe upon Him should not perish but have life in Him. That's His purpose. And it's being revealed to Peter, James, and John in this incredible moment where they're all enjoying being in the presence of God. Jesus Himself, I know, was enjoying being in the presence of the Father. And you've got Moses, and you've got Elijah, and all the, the disciples that are with Him are just blown away. Peter so much is, is going, I love this. I want to stay right here. Let's build a tent, and let's hang out. This is a good place to be. That's the scene just before we get to where they come off the mountain. But as wonderful as amazing, as revealing of who Jesus is, and all of the beauty and the power that comes with that as, as they're being ministered to, they need to come off the mountain. The reality is that faith, faith is lived out in the valley. Faith is lived out as you come down the mountain into the mess of humanity, of which we're all part of. That's where faith is lived out. And so Jesus and His disciples are not just going to stay on the mountain. It's a good place to be, like Peter says. And you know what? I would encourage you to have those times of solitude with your Lord and just prayer and receiving from His Word and growing in Him. And at the same time, I would encourage you, don't stay there. There's a lot of people who say, Oh, I go and I'll go to my cave and that's where I receive from the Lord and, and this is where I'm going to stay the rest of my life is in this cave and, and I'm going to write my journals and God doesn't want us on the mountain. He doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to come down right into the mess. Everything that we have received from the Lord, now we are going to pour out on broken humanity. Do you get that? And that God who lives in you, Christ who lives in you, 
is now going to pour out everything that you've received into the broken mess so that we are the ones who reflect Christ to a world who is looking for life and for love in Christ. And so Jesus comes down with his disciples off the mount and enters into the mess. And so should we. So should we. And as he comes down, again, there's conflict going on. All of a sudden, right away, there's this argument that's going on with the scribes and it's going on with the disciples. The scribes were the ones who were always coming after Jesus to discredit him. Everything that Jesus was claiming about who he was, no, 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 this isn't the way it is. This is not the God we know, Yahweh. There's no way you could be the Messiah. So there's conflict going on there. That was a continual thing. And then there's, I'm assuming there's conflict because this father brings his son who's demon-possessed and the disciples cannot cast it out. So imagine the scene. Here's the scribes who are always trying to discredit everything that Jesus is doing and his followers can't cast out the demon. Oh man, you know they're just mocking him. They are trash-talking those guys like you wouldn't believe. Who's your God? You can't cast out this demon. You've said he's all this and and all-powerful. You can't cast out the demon. And I think they're mocking their God. You know, one of the things that we pick up here, and again, God is, God is full of grace. Our Lord is full of grace, isn't He? And we mess up as followers of Jesus Christ all the time. We do. But one of the things that we, we sometimes forget is that we are called to be set apart. We're called to be ones who reflect our Lord. We're called to be ones who live out through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ, to the world in our flesh, in our broken humanity. And the reality is, when we don't hold on to Christ, when we don't remain in the vine, when we live in our sin, and we just choose to keep going there, and we we don't connect with our Lord, the reality is, the world watches us, and they go, who's your God? And they basically mock our God. Because we aren't holding on to our Lord. And we're not serving Him. And again, the Lord's full of grace and He forgives us along the journey. But at the same time, we need to be ones who are set apart. In this particular case, the disciples were not holding on to the power of God. They weren't remaining in the vine. They were trying to to do things in their own strength. And so they couldn't cast out the demon. And therefore, there was conflict, there was a mess... And there was this mocking, I think, of our Lord. And Jesus shows up right in the middle of that, and he's like, oh, unbelieving generation. How much longer must I put up with this? Oh, unbelieving generation. I think it's the cry of the, of the Heavenly Father for, for His people Israel. That was so often the cry is Israel walked away and they didn't have faith and they didn't believe in who He was. And now Jesus is the same as He enters in. Oh, unbelieving generation. And in particular, I think He's really speaking to His disciples. You've been with Me. You know Me. You've seen Me. 
You've experienced miracles with me. Oh, unbelieving generation. And it's a real cry because what does he want? He wants them to be men of faith who can really trust in Jesus and so that they can live their lives in faith and so that the world will know as they're learning to trust in Jesus, we have a God that we can trust. We have a God where we can fall backwards into his arms and know that he's going to catch us and know that he's going to fill us with his power and his life. Oh, unbelieving generation. What's going on here, Jesus says. And a man comes out from the crowd. Lord, I have my son here who's been tormented by this demon. He's been abused. He's been struck down. He's been hard hit for all of his life. And he's been hurting in this. And I brought him to your disciples. And they could not cast him out. And so here he is before you. Oh, unbelieving generation. Jesus responds to this man and he, he enters in with him. The, this, this young boy was tormented, abused. Max Lucado says it's like a, a bully who's waiting after school. And as soon as he sees him, pounces on him, and he pummels him, and he shoves his face into the dirt. And that's what this boy had been going through for most of his life. And Jesus enters in. Now, let me remind you of something. This scene, we're about, we're about three months out from Jesus going on the cross. Jesus has been two and a half Years walking with his disciples and training them, trying to reveal who he is, trying to let them know who he is. Peter finally identifies, you are the Christ. Then he gets to see him glorified to encourage his faith. Jesus is, is faced towards Jerusalem. Jesus is now heading to the cross. All that he came to do, I came to die so that you might have life. I came to pay the price for your sin. I'm headed right there. And as he comes down, enjoying and receiving and being, I think, encouraged from the Father, Son, keep running this course. There's a reason. I love this world. I love these people. And now go. And Jesus is headed towards that. And on his way, fixed on the fact that he is going to pay the price he gets basically interrupted by this man and this conflict. And here's something I really don't want you to miss in this story. It's just the absolute tenderness and the beauty of our Lord for each and every one of us. I have a bigger purpose for God so loved the whole world. I am coming to die for the whole world. I am coming for everybody to pay the price. But you, right now, I care about. You, right now, in your hurt and in your need, I will step into. And he does that with the Father, right on the way to the cross. And you need to know something about our Lord. He does that with each and every one of you. 
I know your pain. I know your suffering. I'm just on you. I'm not on anybody else. I'm just on you. And Jesus engages with this father who is hurting to the core, whose son has been in pain his whole life and suffering because of this demon. And Jesus stops everything as he's headed to the cross to pay the price for humanity. And he's now going to engage because he cares just for this one person. As he does you. There is a world of problems. There is a world of hurt. There is so much outside of our control. We can't even, we can't even embrace it all. All that just happened in Paris. And you're like, Lord, what is going on? How do I even step into that? You understand, that's what Jesus is dealing with in his mind. There is so much, there is so much pain and suffering in this world, and I'm going to, to go and deal with all of that. But right now I have this. And that's the truth of our lives, isn't it? In Christ. There is so much stuff all around us. But if we are to live like Christ, if we are to live with the power of Christ, if we are to live in faith, in a world that continually has all this stuff out here that we don't know how to engage with fully. What we need to learn to do is to stop, to listen to the Holy Spirit, and say, you know what? Right now, all that's in front of me is Jeremy. That's who God's placed right in front of me right now. And so, Father, empower me to love Jeremy right now and pour out upon him. the present, what God has given you to minister to because his life is living through you as followers of Jesus. And so he engages with the present and the tenderness of this man. What's the story of this father? He's at the end of himself, isn't he? He is at the end of himself. I had a dear friend call me the other day she has a 15-year-old son, same age as my uh, son Josh. We, we've been friends for life. Her son, however, has an eighth chromosome. And so his whole life, uh, he'll never function uh, as a full-grown you know, adult human being. He just doesn't function. He has a mind of, of a one, maybe two-year-old. That's his life. And she called uh, weeping. She called crying out. She just said, I can't do it anymore. He's, he's not only 15, he's big 15. And she's like, I have to change his diapers every day. I have to give him a feeding tube every day. I have to bathe him every day. And he, I have to put a cap on his head because he smashes his head against the walls because he's in such agony and, and he's just so frustrated with this broken body of his. Can't do it anymore. You ever been at that place? The father was. And so he cries out to Jesus, I came to bring my son to you. Your disciples were here. They couldn't. I need you, Jesus. Can you, can you deliver my boy? 
Can you come to our side and deliver my son? The Greek has a unique language there. It's used twice in this passage, and it's, it's powerful. It's not just come by my side. It's, will you run to my side in rescue? Will you run to me in, immediacy, uh, in urgency to my side in rescue? Will you run to me, Jesus, and help? Can you? Jesus says, can I? And what he really means by that is, of course I can. You see, I am God in the flesh. I have authority over everything. I have power over everything. Can I? Absolutely. Everything is possible for him who believes. All authority, all power, everything is possible. God's power can be made manifest for everyone who believes. Don't miss this. If it's in His will. If it's in His will. This is one of the most abused texts in all of Scripture. As far as faith healings and things of that nature. There was a guru in India... And he was a famous guru. And he declared to all the people in his area, I am going to walk on water on this day. And he charged a hundred bucks a ticket to come see him at this hotel to come walk on water. Thousands were gathered around. And he shows up, and he shows up in white robes. And he comes to the edge. It was a beautiful pool at this hotel. And he stands at the edge and he walks on the water and he sinks right to the bottom quickly. And he comes up flustered out of the pool and he's got his robes over his face and his hair is all messed up. And he gets out of the pool and he yells at the crowd, which one of you didn't have faith? Who didn't believe? There's one of you out here. And so he blames them all for their lack of faith. There's so many faith healers today, every generation we go through, I've seen this over and over again, saying, let's pray for God to heal you. Let's say you have some physical thing going on. Let's pray for God to heal you. And we're trusting the Lord together. But you know what? In God's timing, He chose not to heal you right now. And the accusation is this, you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith. That's the biggest pile of shaving cream that exists today. All right? In God's will. In God's will. Can He heal you? Absolutely. Can He heal you? Absolutely. But we trust Him for what He's doing with our lives. We don't know what God's will is for our life on this earth. It may be time for us to go home and meet Him face to face. But God can and He will when it's in His will. Everything is possible. Lord, now watch this. This prayer of the Father. I believe. Help me in my unbelief. 
I believe. Help me in my unbelief. It's the most vulnerable, transparent, authentic prayer, I think, in all of Scripture. I believe. Help me in my unbelief. And it's really the prayer, I think, for all of us that we should be praying daily. Because here's the reality. In our humanity, we, are broken. we have doubts along the way. But those doubts, those doubts are authentic faith. Those doubts are authentic faith. Those doubts help us to grow in our faith. Do you understand that? Let's say I said to you, do you believe I have a $20 bill in my hand? Do you believe it? And Mark says, yeah, I believe. And I say to Mark, Mark, I'm about to destroy your faith. And I open my hand, and there is a $20 bill there. I've totally destroyed his faith. What is faith? Faith is an assurance, Hebrews 11 tells us. It's an assurance of that, assurance of that which we don't see. It's, it's a confidence in the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, which we don't see. When I take that faith that Mark says, I believe you, Rod, that you have $20, and I open my hand, I say, look, here it is. Now he doesn't have a need for faith anymore, does he? Because he sees it right here. Now he has knowledge right in front of him. Faith has grown, as Jesus says, I have power and I have authority. Do you believe? I believe, Jesus. Let me pour out all my resources on you, Mark. Let me pour out everything I have upon you. I want to increase your faith. Do you believe? I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Jesus wants to grow us in our faith. He's wanting to grow his disciples in their faith. And you're not an awful Christian if you have doubts along the way. Like Nancy prayed this morning, Lord, I don't get I mean, all these people lost their lives. A lot of them had families and young children. I mean, I don't get this. I know you're sovereign. I know you're good. Help me, Father. Help me. And so we cry out to God like the Father did. The beauty of this is that Jesus chose at this time, in all his power and authority, to cast out that demon from that boy who had been just pummeled to death. That, that demon one more time tried to you know, throw him down hard and Jesus delivered him and freed him up. It looked like he was dead. Remember what the scriptures say? And Jesus lifted him up. And he rose up. He says, looks, it looked as if he was dead. He got him by the hand and he lifted him up. Jesus is in that business of lifting up dead things. And he does, and he can, and he has full power to do that. A life that doesn't know Christ and is dead in your sin, Jesus lifts that up. A broken relationship, Jesus lifts that up. And so he does that for the Father. Tender, meets him right where he's at, and heals him grows the faith of the Father. Do you see, Jesus, Jesus could have just healed them right away when he showed up. He did that quite often, didn't he? He would just show up in the midst of, there's a demon, up, oh, get out of there. Like that. He didn't do that with the Father, did he? 
And He doesn't do that with a lot of us. Why? Because He's drawing out the Father to understand His desperate need. To understand His, his need for Jesus and, and to grow His faith, which was a beautiful faith, the faith of a mustard seed. That's all He needed. Don't let your doubts take you away from engaging with Jesus. Feeling like, oh, I'm just not at a place. And don't let the church or people in the church keep you away from Jesus. Do you know why? Because we, we fail in the flesh, don't we? Like the disciples failed. Take your stuff directly to Jesus. Take your stuff directly to Jesus and let Him minister to you there. We're, we're going to fail you along the way. We want to reflect Christ as, as much as we can, but we're going to fail you along the way. So bring it before the Lord. So he grows up the father in faith, and now he's going to grow up the disciples. He takes them off to a room, and the disciples say, Lord, what the heck happened here? We, we've gone out before, and we've cast out demons. And we've healed people. Why, why couldn't we cast out this one? And he says, this one, is only done by prayer. I'm going to grow your faith right here, disciples. This one, and I don't think he's talking like this, some specific type of demon. I just think it's the enemy in general. The, the enemy and all of his resources are, are, are cast out by prayer. What's true of the disciples? Two and a half years, they have been walking with Jesus. How is their faith? Faith is... Believing in that, having the assurance of that which is not seen. It's the hope we have, being confident, again, in Christ. The disciples, however, what's the truth about them? Jesus has been right there with them, hasn't he? He's in the flesh. They're getting awfully used to Jesus being around. Even when they're in the storm, he at least shows up. They get Jesus right there with them. Jesus is headed to the cross. He's going to die on the cross. He's going to rise again. And then He is going to ascend to the Father. That means there isn't going to be any more Jesus in the flesh around. And so He wants to grow the disciples' faith. What happened on this? Why did they fail? Again, I think they failed because they didn't depend on Christ. They didn't depend on Jesus and call upon Him and and recognize their need for the power of Christ to cast out the enemy. I think they sort of got comfortable in, you know what, we've cast out demons before. We said the right words. We, you know, laid hands on properly. And therefore, you know, shazam, come on, come on out. And I think they started to depend on the flesh for, for something that is only done by prayer, the power of God to transform and to heal, only done when you depend on the resource of God. You invite God to to be in your life and and working through you and totally dependent on that. You know that nothing in and of yourself, this is New Covenant, 2 Corinthians 3. New Covenant, there's nothing of benefit that comes from me. It's only through Christ, my Lord. I am a broken vessel that the all-surpassing power of Christ might pour out through me. Disciples, you've been depending on yourself and, and your flesh to do that. You're trying to muster it up on your own. You know, there's no great preaching by Jackson Kramer or Rod Ritchie. There's no great worship 
enough, you know, that we're dependent on. Let's really build up a spiritual fervor here. There's no great program that we're going to do. All of that done in the flesh, not dependent on the power of Christ, all of that leads to just brokenness and emptiness, and there is no power. And we're just living in the flesh. And so what I think he's teaching his disciples is this. I'm not going to be here with you much longer. You need to learn to live in faith and in the power of God. But that power is only comes when you remain in the vine, John 15. It only comes as you come to me in prayer, seeking me, entering into my throne room. Prayer is that highway directly into the presence of God where He, in His will, will bestow whatever power you need for the moment. He is the one. And He's the only one who should get glory for any of that. And so He grows their faith. And so the prayer for all of us is, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Let's pray. Well, Father, we do. We need You. And forgive us, Father, when we live in the flesh and we think that we can do this on our own, when we think that that somehow we can muster up enough spiritual fervor to transform people's lives. Forgive us for that. And Lord, help us to be a people of prayer. And Father, in our doubts where we don't get it, help us in our faith, we pray. We thank You that You love us. We thank You that You are focused on us individually and that you care deeply for each and every one of us. And I pray for those this morning that are seeking after you, that you would touch their hearts, that you would draw them close to you, and that they would have new life as they believe upon you, Jesus. Father, we love you and we acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. All power and glory belong to you. In your precious name, amen.